everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game that... Are you excited? Is everybody excited out there? I think I think everyone's excited, and I think everyone has a reason to be. That was a great, great hockey game with a lot of skill on display. Two really good teams uh, I thought the Tampa Bay Lightning came in here and they were showing for a good chunk of that game what makes them so special. Uh, but here we go. Another win for the Winnipeg Jets, a 4-2 victory. Another game. I think it's been a little bit of a pattern as of late. I think it's something to watch for the Jets getting outshot as consistently as they get outshot. Um, getting, uh, you know, having that slow start to the beginning of the game. I think there's some things to watch for, but... There was one point in this game where I was looking. I saw where the Jets were. They scored that goal. I think they were outshot, what was it, 12-4 uh, to four in the first period. And they score on the fourth shot of the game. And it comes back to the conversation. I think that we were having, I think it was the last show that we had about the Jets seemingly able to get that first goal uh, within their first five shots of the game. Here's another game where they pull that off. Come out 1-1 in the first, after the first period in a period where they probably didn't deserve to be there. And I was thinking, okay, are we going in this direction? Because I was okay with that kind of hockey and that brand of hockey where the Jets were, you know, finding ways to win when they were injured because, you know, you had, that's what you have to do when you're injured. But that, those excuses start going away, right? When more and more players get back into this. But then I thought they just got to a point where the Rick Bonus style locked in. You saw the... Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were locked at 17 shots for quite a long time. And then, of course, you get the special teams taking over this game. Two five-on-three goals uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, a four-on-four goal, and they get a four-on-six goal where they get the empty netter. Uh, so clearly the Jets figuring this kind of stuff out. Head coach uh, giving credit, of course, to uh, Scott Arneal, who's uh, the guy behind that um, penalty kill. That is absolutely winning games for the Winnipeg Jets as it did on this nice but on this night but I bring it down to this I thought that the Winnipeg Jets were the more dialed in team right and this is what you're trying to get to a team is trying to build towards like all those little details doing all the right things all the time all those little things add up to a winning hockey team that's where you have to get to in the playoffs now I don't know about the value of the Jets getting to it in midseason, other than the fact that it's clearly meaning wins for them and could put them in a really good spot in the playoffs. They're just one point back of the Dallas Stars right now with a game in hand. So clearly that's something that that is beneficial. Um, I, I, I can't remember the... Well, I guess I can remember. The last time I saw a team dialed in early in the season that carried it all the way through was the Colorado Avalanche. They were absolutely locked in at the beginning of the year uh, and just kept going all the way. Sorry, they had a little bit of a rocky start and then were just dialed in all the way right until they had a little bit of a losing skid right at the end of the year, which cost them the President's Trophy. But then they picked up where they had left off before that and went tearing through the playoffs. And you know what happened after that. So, I mean... Where the Jets are right now, I take a look at where they were compared to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay got a couple of those penalties where their sticks were up in the air. I think that's a posture thing. I think it's when you're not ready and not playing the game the right way, I think those kind of penalties happen, right? And those penalties put the Tampa Bay Lightning in a really bad spot. I think that penalty that was taken by Steve Stamkos, where he has the pucks taken off his stick by Nick Ehlers, and then the penalty that he takes where he basically gets beat down the ice and Nick Ehlers, they start in the same spot on the board and Nick Ehlers has time to shoot and get 
you know, a couple more chances before he gets plastered by Steve Stamkos. To me, that's a frustrated guy who had the puck taken off of him. That's a details thing, right? His details weren't right. Nick Ehlers were. That's why that penalty ends up happening. And then the one at the end of the game that I take a look at this where the details are right and they're not is the Morgan Barron play. And we'll dig into this a little bit later, but he knocks the puck off of Braden Point's stick. And Braden Point is supposed to be the ultimate guy when it comes to, you know, the right time of year, right? Braden Point's an entirely different play, player in the playoffs. But Braden Point gets the puck taken off his stick. And rather than going and trying to chase down the guy who took the puck off his stick, stares up at the sky in frustration and then looks down and sees that Morgan Barron's going to go down the ice and have an opportunity to score on an empty net. The Jets were more prepared to compete in this game. They were more prepared to win this game. Their details were better. They were more locked in. That's why they're the winners of this game, 4-2 over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay, I thought, took a little bit of a page out of the old Jets playbook. I think they tried to skill their way to a victory tonight. Jets worked harder. That's why they're the winning team here tonight. And I love every second of it. That's the kind of hockey that wins you games in the playoffs. I've said this more and more. Jets didn't get their patented shots from the point going in tonight. But what did they do? They went and they buried the opportunities that they had on special teams. And they killed the opportunities that the Tampa Bay Lightning had on special teams. And there you go. 4-2 victory in front of an adoring crowd. They should be adoring. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't got the nerve to get excited about the Winnipeg Jets before this, come on. Stop it. It's time to do that. That's my take anyways. I want to see what Kenny has to think about the whole thing. So let's bring him in, the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, my friend, we just chatted about it on Sportsnet. Uh, people will be able to go see it on the internet or on uh, on our Sportsnet channel, our chat about it. But I was very interested from this uh, before you dig into the game, or maybe you can lead into this digging into the game. But these are one of these victories. I remember there, I think it was last year, the Jets, people thought they were turning around because they had a little bit of a good streak and they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning when they came in rolling into town. Anytime you get a team... That is the caliber of the Tampa Bay Lightning that's had the success of the Tampa Bay Lightning and they walk into town and you beat them. I think it gets people excited. To me, uh, you start wondering where this leaves the Jets amongst the league, never mind where we see them in points in the standings. Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois called this a measuring stick game. Where do you think a game like this leaves the Winnipeg Jets amongst the NHL's elite? Yeah, don't forget about us, I think, is sort of the message the Jets were delivering. I mean, for me, it's an important win for the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know that it was a signature win by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I do think it was an impressive win, and one where the Jets have plenty to build on, Sean. I mean, they got a lot accomplished after a bit of a, let's call it a sluggish first period. Uh, The Jets were lucky to be even, I think, Sean, based on the fact that 
they were not really generating a whole lot at five on five. They only had, I think, four shots uh, on goal. They were definitely trying to find their timing and rhythm, I think is a word that Rick Bonus used. Uh, when you're integrating four players into the lineup, including three up front, I mean, that's an awfully large percentage of goals, or sorry, players and goals that were out of the lineup. So I think a couple of the, li- of the combinations were a little bit out of sorts or out of sync. Uh, obviously, he knew there was going to be some rust to shake off for the Winnipeg Jets. I thought as the game went on, I thought they got better. Uh, on a lot of fronts, including 5-on-5, five five, which, again, I don't even think they got to the dominant stage today. But I do think that their power play was absolutely excellent. And, Sean, here's the other part. I mean, if a team gets two lengthy 5-on-3s and you are going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, that team better convert or you're going to lose the game. I mean, um, for all that we've been talking about here, I mean, Tampa Bay hung around in a game. I don't think the Lightning were dominant by any stretch. They had some really good chances. Uh, and they also had some late power plays, so I think the Jets' penalty kill, uh, the special teams deserves a ton of credit. I mean, obviously this was a special teams type of game, uh, but the Jets did a nice job on both their special teams. Uh, they got another rock-solid performance from their netminder, and overall I think it was an important building block for them. But, I mean, we've been saying this all year. I mean, with the exception of that three-game losing streak the Jets had in December, we've been wondering, I mean, this is a team that, you know, a lot of people are making, you know, it's starting to be a little bit of a, you know, a thing on the old Twitter machine and on social media. Are the Jets actually good? I mean, this was another win against a very good team. So um, are the Jets actually good? Well, yes. I mean, they are full marks for being in the discussion in the Central Division, one point back with a game in hand. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, there's no there's no way to dispute that. I mean, they are finding a way at the as they approach the midway point of being in the discussion among, you know, the certainly the top 10 teams in the league. And on some nights, they look like they're a fi- top five team. I mean, th- there's no way to dispute that. Is there room for improvement? Of course. And that's why, Sean, I love the answer Rick Bonus gave to, um, you know, Brian Engblom this morning. I mean, he said it. He said, are there things that the team needs to improve on? Yes. And when things don't go well, then that I look to myself is what Rick Bonus said, Right. And Rick Bone is saying that there are some areas they need to get better at. But here's the thing. He has not had his full team at his disposal since game two of the season. So I think as the, you know, this next stretch of games, you know, let's just say game 40 to game 50 or 60. I mean, that's going to tell us, like we talked about, Sean, in December, we were going to learn a lot about the Jets. The Jets did a great job of treading water at times in December, and now all of a sudden they're on a four-game winning streak. They got four of their seven players back in the lineup. They have probably Sacramento line, and I don't think is far away from a return. I would say maybe it's about a week, maybe, or you know, depending on where things are going. Um, but this is a team that has a lot of components of a high-end team. I mean, they have the most important component, which is elite-level goaltending. Uh, they have a team that's committed to their structure their special teams are vastly improved from last season and yes there's still room for improvement on the penalty or the power play I mean the power play is going to be better because they haven't had Nikolai Ehlers on it they've had Nikolai Ehlers on it for three out of 39 or 40 40 games 39 games 39 games yeah 39 games 40 is on Sunday so yes I mean it's naturally it should get better uh, their forward group has some very high-end pieces, and the complementary players have done a nice job, whether they've been uh, picked up or called up or you know whatever else. But it's their high-end players 
that are really driving the bus. It's interesting, Sean. I wonder how we can throw this back to you as I get out of the buffet line here. Um, I, I love the way that Rick talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning this morning when he was asked about them. When he talked about their elite players and their high-end players and how they drive the bus. You can tell Rick Bonus wants the Jets, and actually he probably sees the Jets doing that also. Their play drivers um, have been driving play. I mean, there's no way around that. And they have some other high-end players that are just just back from injury and are going to settle in and get back into a groove, I would imagine, uh, quite quickly. Uh, sorry, let's uh, let's start that comment right here. What are you here. doing here? Which sorry, I'm, I'm throwing it back to you. Um, MVIVY204, what do you think we need to be elite then, Kenny? Well, I would say a couple things to me. Uh, the Jets need to show it with that lineup. Uh, and they need to, you know, they need to beat teams. The Boston Bruins are the best team. The Jets went toe-to-toe with them, but they didn't beat them. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are the best team in the Western Conference. The Jets are 0-3 against them. So do I think they have the potential to be elite? I've said this all along. They have elite pieces, and they will battle those elite teams, but they need a couple more signature type of wins. This was an important one. They're going to play the Carolina Hurricanes, in March, Carolina is rolling. The Jets have already beaten Carolina. They're a high-end team. So, to me, I think the Jets have done an excellent job. I think they're a very good hockey team with elite components. And part of the reason I'm not calling them elite yet is because I don't think that we know what this team is capable of because they haven't had all those pieces together. I'm not saying they can't be one. I just don't think that they are one at this moment in time. Um, and I think Rick Bonus agrees with the assessment based on what he said this morning, Sean. Don't you think so? I guess so. Um, hey, listen, uh, I, I want to dig into that. Sorry, elite is a, it's a relative term. I mean, like, are they, a, a, no what are we calling elite? Top 10? Is that elite? To me, elite is top five. And I think the Jets are in the five. periphery. Someone here said, said top five, and, and they're, they're knocking on the door of that if they're yeah. not there already. No doubt. Sure. I, I want to dig into that a little bit more, but first, uh, before we get too far, just wanted to say you're looking good as usual. Uh, I think I'm looking pretty pretty fine here, Ken. I do love this tie that uh, Frankie and the boys set me up with. Mm-hmm. It's like leaves. It's got like a kind of like a, a melon kind of feeling to it, but it's playing <laughs> off the green in my suit. It's all the kind of stuff that Frankie thinks about, uh, and that's what makes him a genius. All the boys down there, Vittorio Rossi, clearly know what they're doing when it comes to this. So, hey, if you want to go check out uh, a place that can make you look like a million bucks Without having to spend a million bucks, head on down to Corden Avenue. Go see the boys at Vittorio Rossi, uh, and they'll take care of you. Uh, Frankie, he's the man. Uh, I got to go to him for for some tune-ups in some other areas as well. So maybe I'll see you down there. If you do go down there, make sure you go tell them that Kenny and Rennie sent you. We'd appreciate that to no end. Ken, uh, before we get back to that conversation, I want to know what your lamplighter of the game was. There you go. Sorry, my man. There you go. No problem. Sorry, I thought that we got a little bit of lawnmower in the background here. I'm not sure if it's. Uh, I'm not picking up on it. It's fine. You're not. It's fine. Okay, Unless cool. you're picking someone it up. Had, on someone it. had mentioned yeah, it in the fine. comments, so I, it's all good. Um, my lamplighter is going to be an effort play. Um, obviously, I think that you could have chosen either one of. Yeah, you know what? Hang on a sec. I, I, as much as I appreciate the effort shown by Morgan Barron on the empty netter, it's an empty net goal, even though it was a high end play. Uh, for me, Kyle Connor one timer. Uh, on the five on three for the game winning goal is my lamplighter uh, and for a good reason the jets had a five on three 
Mikhail Sergachev lost his stick. Anthony Sorelli passes his stick to Sergachev, essentially making it a five on two and a half. And that's something the Jets have to score on. On two occasions, Anthony Sorelli lays out block shots. They almost got the puck out, and Sorelli almost got to the bench to get his stick. He was unable to do so. The Jets had great puck movement. Yeah. They found a seam pass. Kyle Connor rips home a one-timer. So for me, even though, like I said, I think that Morgan Barron's play, and we'll get into it later, because, Sean, I know you love the game and the effort that Morgan Barron uh, exuded yeah. throughout the contest. So yes. for me, I still think it's the Kyle Connor goal that not just because it's the game winner, but because of the puck movement and the importance of making sure that they were able to convert. If you get two five-on-threes against a team like the Lightning, the team has to score in both of them or else to. Tampa will hang around. So you for me, to. it looked like yeah. they might have. If they get that clear, if they get the clear and the puck goes out, that's a humongous missed opportunity for the Jets. So for me, I, I'm going on the five-on-three goal, and I'm sorry if Doug Thoroski doesn't agree with it. Sorry, Doug. Doug, Doug What's your on, choice, man. Doug? What's your choice? Doug, I got Doug, no problem with Doug, you. Doug already shared it. Yeah, Doug already shared his choice because I've already got him uh, written okay, down. Okay, good. What did he say? His pick. And, hey, if you want to be like Doug, you should be like Doug. There you go. You're a lamplighter of the game. And you know what that does? That opens you up to the very distinct possibility you could win an eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale from our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. Uh Frosty, delicious lamplighter <laughs> ale, I might add. If you can't wait for us to hand a pack to you, then why not head down to TransCanada Brewing Company, join them in their tap room where they've got the store, you can get it there, or you can sit yourself down at a table, order yourself a lamplighter, or one of their many varieties of beer. I'm trying to try them all, Ken. I'm doing a pretty darn good job of it, I'll tell you. They go great with their pizza there. If you do not get yourself some pizza when you go down there to pick up your lamplighter, you are doing yourself a disservice. Don't do yourself a disservice. Get some pizza when you go down there. But 11290 Keniston is where you got to go. Share your lamplighter, everybody. And on that note, the winner of last show's lamplighter comment is Helly's Kitchen, who also won himself, herself, I don't know, a shovel for the home field dig deeper comment that uh, they were handed out. Hasn't claimed it yet. So Helly's Kitchen, if you're listening, A, make sure you direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds with your full name. And an email where I can send you your voucher for your frosty, delicious eight-pack of uh, Lamplighter Amber Ale. And at the same time, I will send you a voucher for your uh, home field dig deeper shovel for the home field dig deeper comment of the game you've already won. And the best news is you can pick them up both in the same place so you can walk out with beer and a shovel. It is going to be a good day coming up for Helly's Kitchen. If Helly's Kitchen just gets their act together and sends me a message at SN Sean Reynolds. I don't know that I've seen the Halley's Kitchen in the comments section yet, uh, but hey, you are on the clock. You've got till Sunday when the Jets go for five straight wins against the Vancouver Canucks. Message me by that point, and you get yourself the uh, Lamplighter, uh, Frosty Delicious Lamplighter 8-pack. If not, then it goes back into the queue, and someone from this show, and there's a whole bunch of you already who have gotten the queue, stands to win a 16-pack. Wouldn't that be great? Um, Ken, uh, before we go on, I wanted to go on. I think, well, actually, it's a pretty tough decision between two pretty obvious plays, I would think, for the Johnston Group got you covered play of the game. Who are you going with? Sean, are you there? Sorry, Sorry I froze up a little bit. How long have I been gone for? 
Uh, just, I think I heard the end of Lamplighter, but uh, okay, end of Lamplighter, the very end. I'm making the transition to. I want to know what your got you covered. The Johnston Group got you covered. Play of the game was. I think there's two fairly. It's two. I think we're gonna have to share them. Yeah, it's gonna be oh, a shared oh, award. You've got to pick one. You've got to pick one. Sorry. Listen, I make the rules. I make the rules. Pick one. You can tell me what you're, what you, what the two in the running are, but you got to pick one. You have to. Okay, so honorable mention to Pierre-Luc Dubois for his ah. gloved hand of time. But in a one-goal game, Dylan DeMello took the puck off the goal line, which would have been a tie game. So yep. uh, given the circumstance uh, you know, and the time of the game, uh, Dylan DeMello has the got you covered, even though uh, folks disagreed with my earlier choice. And, and yes, I do think that a 5-on-3 goal with a guy missing his stick is a tougher play than Morgan Barron wrapping around a goal into an empty net. I mean, come on. Connor has to beat Vasilevsky, folks. Stick with me here. I love the effort of Morgan Barron. He beat Sergachev to the puck. He beat him to the post, and then he jammed it in. But, I mean, it's a wraparound on no goalie. So uh, that's why I'm going with Connor. And, like I said, Pierre-Luc Dubois' play is exceptional. Uh, and a great job of him by tracking the puck. I love the fact that he brought up baseball uh, when he was asked about it. He followed the tip perfectly, sees the puck go up in the air. I also love the fact that he said he hot potatoed it to Dylan Sandberg on the play. Yes, so, yes. Uh, good on panic, him. So, panic move and sent it to him, who he said then Sandberg panicked on. <laughs> like which that. is kind of funny. It's a, but uh, It's a funny little moment between two players where he's like, oh, my God, because that's, that's what hockey is, right? Like what you don't, the guys you don't like playing with are the guys who like have a live grenade in their hand and toss it to you and say, here, you go mess up, right? And so I love that exactly. he brought that up. I got to say this. One, come on, is just a step below a wake-up for Ken. So whoever got the come on out there, whoever's arguing with them in the chat room, just know you are treading on very thin ice out there at this very moment. And sorry, I'm going to say, Ken, I can't believe you would do Pierre-Luc Dubois but like that. Oh, I yeah, give yeah, yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois the We've Got You Covered play of the game. And the reason I do <laughs> is because he's down in front of the net grinding, scoring two goals, and then he's down right on in front of his own net, right on the line, stopping a play there. He's the better player on the night. Dylan DeMello, he's, that's where he's That's not what the award is for. That's not what the award is for, Sean. You gave yours out. It's time for me to give mine out. Pierre-Luc Dubois, God, I can't believe you would do him like that. I, you know what? You can have a conversation with him next time we're in the dressing room. I look room. forward explain to it. Yourself. I think that you probably should explain yourself, but uh, uh, it doesn't matter. Well, one way or the other, those were two great plays. I don't think there's a wrong answer in there, other than the fact that I went with Pierre-Luc Dubois, which means you've got the wrong answer tonight. I, I don't make up the rules. I just enforce them. It's but a Friday night special here, folks. Get the divorce no lawyer doubt. on. Uh, get the divorce lawyer on, on the line. No doubt. Want to Sorry, and we're going back to... Kenny and Rennie, Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnston yes. Group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnston Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable. So you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues. And teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers plan can benefit your business by visiting Chambers plan 
dot ca that's the we've got you covered play of the game by the johnston group hey if you want coverage as good as it gets even a step up from that Demello play right up on par with the pierre luc dubois play then you go see the johnston group they will take very good care of you ken do you have any retort no i'm thinking i'm just i'm considering walking off the show and leaving you to the last <laughs> 35 minutes if you think you're ready to walk off now, we'll I'm not. introduce our next topic. Hang on a second. We, we need to go back to the elite thing, guys. Okay. okay Sorry. There is one elite team in the NHL right now. They have not lost on home ice in regulation time. They have a, essentially, what do they have? An eight-point lead with three games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. The Boston Bruins are the only elite team in the NHL right now. That is my assessment. And I'm not knocking the Jets. What they're doing this season is incredible. They are in the upper echelon of teams. I don't consider them to be elite. I think we're going to find out if they can be elite when we see the return of their healthy players. And I think the Jets can be an elite team if they add a couple of important pieces at the NHL trade deadline. But until that time, this next two-month block is where we will find out if the Jets are elite. That's it. Well, I'll tell you this, and it's going to introduce our next topic. Um, I think we will find out when the Jets are elite, when we see what they do at the trade deadline, which is when I expect them to make their big moves. Because, and, and can I just, I, I want to, I have something I need to say. I'm going to belly up to the buffet for a second here. I wanted to talk about the Winnipeg Jets and the fact that they got all four of those players back here tonight. Absolutely great news for the Winnipeg Jets. Great news for the fans. But it also is great news for Rennie. And here's the reason why. Because back when all these injuries started happening, panic set in. Panic set into the chat room. People were losing their minds. People were saying, bargain the future. Sell everything. Get the kitchen sink. Throw it into the deal. Get the carousel of pucks. Trade that too. We need trades right now. It is panic city in Winnipeg. Trades need to be made to survive this. And amongst all of this chaos, amongst the house burning down, Rennie sat there calmly, stoically, I may even say... <laughs> And he said, there's no reason to panic, everybody. The Winnipeg Jets are equipped to get through this. They will be fine. And now we find ourselves on the other side of the Jets' injury issues with the Winnipeg Jets. One point out of first place in the Central Division. One point out with a game in hand. Not having mortgaged their future for a very, very small chunk of the present in which they were dealing with injuries. I'm just going to say this. I don't blame the chat room, Ken, because the chat room, they were the flock and they were led astray. They were led astray by a silver tongued <laughs> shepherd by the name of Ken Weeb, who told them the house was burning. Yeah. You know what happens when you smash the emergency glass and you pull I think you're having trouble with your memory currently. What happens <laughs> when that happens? When someone yells fire, people panic and they say, Fire! And our chat room was like a bunch of George Costanzas trying to run out of the burning building Good because pull. their shepherd told them that it was time to panic, time to make some trades. And Rennie said, everyone, it's fine. Stay where you are. Everything will be okay. It's a false alarm. And I just got to say, Ken, <laughs> not from you, maybe from the chat room because there was some abuse sent my way 
for being calm and rational in that moment. There was abuse sent my way. And I will just say, in lieu of apologies, you can send floral arrangements. You can send well wishes. You can send lamplighter beers. Whatever you want to do to apologize for being wrong when Renu is so right, go ahead and do that chat room. Everyone's through it. Take your excuse punch cards. Leave them at the door. You don't need them anymore. The Winnipeg Jets made it through. Mission accomplished. Banner hung up. They made it through the injuries without mortgaging their future. They did the right thing <laughs> because Kevin Sheveldale, if he does, does watch this show, listen to Rennie and not Kenny. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, Just don't be people. sorry. Just as David Martino says, toot toot, I'm blowing my own horn. <laughs> and good on you. Uh, I would I would remind you after the three game winning streak you were not quite as confident but you were right at the I'll, end. I'll say, I'll say this I'll say this when you are in the house and someone yells fire and everyone runs out the door there's a moment where even the calmest person says am I missing something here is there something really happening but I stayed firmly at the kitchen table I ate from everyone's plate while they were gone because I've got a bad habit of doing that but Rennie did never back off the idea Rennie never called for a trade. And uh, I take a look back at this moment in time, and I just I give it a couple of these on both sides. I give the old parade wave as I'm in the back of the Corvair or whatever you'll see out at the small town Manitoba parade. I got to say, I nailed that one. I nailed yeah, buddy, that one. Uh, as Claude Noel used to say, don't separate your shoulders patting yourself out on the back. Though you were, you know, good on you for that. Uh, <laughs> and also, <laughs> let's not forget that I thought my whole premise was the same premise as from the very beginning. The Jets need to improve their forward group. I said that in the summertime. I said that when there was one injury. I said that when there were multiple injuries. So, um, again, I expect Kevin Cheveldayoff to make a move before the deadline. I, I didn't say he had to make it immediately. I just thought that this was a group that could, you know, have a little bit of an infusion of talent up front. They've had an exceptional job of guys stepping up and doing a nice job uh, there's a great competition up front on the back end uh, for those who missed it Mike Michael Asimont was claimed off waivers by the San Jose Sharks uh, this afternoon on Friday so they'll lose a little bit of organizational depth uh, but he was one of the guys that stepped up when they needed it but you know things were getting a little wobbly and the Jets have done an exceptional job of getting themselves back on track and you know they deserve credit for that no doubt. No doubt they do. Uh, I just, uh, I wanted to have a little bit of fun with that one. As you um, should, as you should. I do think, I do think that, uh, I, I don't, as I'd said, I don't think they were ever in danger of making a big trade. I didn't think it was the time to do it. I do expect that they are going to I be didn't say a big trade. trade. I, I said the they could have used. Sure. Um, I do think they will be making a big trade swing for the fence at the trade deadline. Uh, and actually, we should get into this at another time. We shouldn't get into it now because there's too much to talk about in this game. But we've had further conversations, Ken, that we had in that last show about what we expect. Uh, and, and I just get more and more locked into the idea uh, of something that I presented that I think ruffled a little bit of feathers in the chat room of the idea that I think that the Jets are just going to stick with the core that they have through this year and next year as well, even if they risk losing players like Mark Shifley, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Connor Hellebuck for nothing. Um, and 
where we saw this before, and I you you did point out that it was a little bit of a different circumstance, but we saw this with the Winnipeg Jets, where they they knew that their back end was going to get gutted after the 2019 season, and Kevin Cheveldayoff made the decision at that time that he thought the team had showed enough that he wanted to give them a chance to go all the way, and he made that decision. So we've seen this decision before. I know we talked about it last show. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that was crazy and that it could be disastrous. I think it could be disastrous, but I also do think that the Winnipeg Jets are going to give this window everything they possibly can. And I think the fact that they wasted a couple of these years of this window, which I think is more and more obvious under Rick Bonus, that it's just all the more reason they're going to give this window everything they have. Uh, let's move on and talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Thurowski yelled that. See, this is where I should just pour through and go through the receipts, and I should get names of every single person who was like, hurry, make a trade before it's too late. I should bring up every name, and I should just read them off. Like, I don't know how many wrestling fans are out there, but one of my favorite bits in wrestling ever, ever was, when, was when Chris Jericho says he's the man of 10,001 holds and so he goes and starts listing off all the holds and they go to commercial and they come back from commercial and he's still listing off all the different we should do that I should make an entire show of me just listing off all the names of all the chat room members who panicked and said move everything to try and solve this problem uh, that's good stuff we should move on um, I want to move on to uh, let's let's start with Pierre-Luc Dubois, okay? Let's start with Pierre-Luc Dubois because I thought he just had an absolutely phenomenal game on both ends of the ice. Rick Bonus has talked, this is a little bit of what we chatted about, Rick Bonus has talked about one of the reasons that the Jets have been surviving is they've been getting great efforts from their depth, but they've also had their elite players stepping out and being elite and stealing games for them. This is another one of those nights where I think Pierre-Luc Dubois stepped up and said, it's my turn tonight. Mark Shifley did it with a hat-trick against the Vancouver Canucks. Kyle Connor did it with two points against the Edmonton Oilers and the game winner. Connor Hellebuck did it in their last game where he really stood on his head. Tonight, it's the Pierre-Luc Dubois show. Don't worry, guys, I got this. Yeah, I think uh, some Lightning fans probably had some flashbacks and nightmares about the sweep of the Columbus Blue Jackets had over the Tampa Bay Lightning during their record-setting season, Sean. Uh, where he got under the skin massively of several members of the Lightning and had an excellent series. I mean, I think the only maybe the only series that Lou Dubois had that was better in his entire career was when he gave headaches to Austin Matthews and company and, and had a hat trick in one of the games in that uh, bubble series in Toronto where the Blue Jackets beat the Leafs. But man, oh man. Two goals to get him to 19, uh, living rent-free in the blue paint, uh, game-saving play at the goal line, uh, high engagement, two penalties in the game. Draw, you know, one was an e- was was an even up. Um, I thought he was, you know, and again he draws the penalty in the corner, the cross-checking penalty, the extra minor um, in the game as well. I mean, it was impressive to see. Uh, he's legitimately been a high engagement player all year long. He continues to get better and better. And Sean, I don't know about you, but if you see how much fun Pierre-Luc Dubois is having, uh, it goes back to the discussion and only Pierre-Luc Dubois knows this answer, Sean. And he's not the kind of guy that's going to get into it during the season and probably isn't going to get into it in the off season because we're going to find out when we find out. But you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois 
speaking with so much pride about being the DJ and playing the victory song, which was Alejandro Kirk's walk-up music, yes. uh, the member of the Toronto Blue Jays. And you see the way that he's been interacting uh, in those post-game uh, sessions with the media. This is a guy who looks like he's having a heck of a lot of fun uh, playing hockey right now, playing for Rick Bonus, playing alongside Kyle Connor, and playing for a team that is battling for first place, not only you know, in the Central Division, but, you know, in the Western Conference uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights. And one quick one there. I saw someone mention Vegas's elite wake-up Ken. Uh, I think Vegas has a lot of elite pieces as well. Uh, but I don't, I'm not ready to call them elite yet because they haven't had Jack Eichel. They've, they've been missing him in the lineup. They've had a ton of injuries. Uh, I think that Logan Thompson has done an exceptional job. I think he was named to the All-Star game. Uh, good on him. I did, had a great interview with him a couple weeks back when they rolled through town. Uh, just a great story. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have had above-average goaltending, very good goaltending. I don't think that we're ready to call uh, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill elite just yet. Uh, and that's no knock on them. They've done an e- excellent job under Bruce Cassidy's system. Yeah. But I think the... the I, in the All-Star game. Yeah, Logan Thompson. I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm saying Vegas has played exceptionally well with some really tough injuries. I personally just think the only elite team right now, and I also like the Dallas Stars a lot, Sean. We talked a ton about the Stars going into the year. I thought they'd be much improved. But I don't think the Dallas Stars are elite yet either, but they can be. The Jets are in that class with Dallas, with Vegas, with some of the other teams. I mean, like Toronto. Toronto hasn't won a series in forever. So they look elite during the regular season, but it doesn't matter what they do except in the spring. So they're another one of the teams that looks like they can be elite. I wouldn't call Toronto elite just yet. They have elite qualities. So anyways, sorry, I'm not going to go back to that subject again. Uh, Dubois was elite in the game. He's had an elite start to the season. And it'll be interesting to see, Sean, uh, will fans get involved and vote one of the other players like Pierre-Luc Dubois or a Kyle Connor or a Mark Shifley or a Kyle or a Connor Hellebuck into the All-Star game at, to join Josh Morrissey? Um, I like this comment by Jeremy Meyer Weber. Not going to win the home field, but uh, <laughs> find yourself someone who loves you as much as Rennie loves himself. Um, listen, oh boy. Jeremiah, and this is to everyone out tremendous, there. Tremendous, tremendous. All of you should love yourself as much as you can. It's a great way to go through life, loving yourself. <laughs> do that. Um, be proud of yourselves. Uh, stand tall for yourselves. This is great advice for Jeremiah Weber, who I think thinks that he's taking a shot and maybe he's trying to take a shot. I just think this is great life advice. Good stuff by Jeremiah. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois was just an absolute beast tonight. Everything that he does was on order, right? So you go and you get him. And again, the one thing that I, I love about the Jets offense tonight. Okay. So it wasn't from the point, the stuff that they've been doing from the point. Uh, although one is a, a Josh Morrissey shot that's tipped in. Uh, the Kyle Connor shot uh, that goes off of uh, uh, off of Pierre Luc Dubois' stick. He's in those gritty areas, right? He's in those areas that just gets into a goaltender's head and also makes it difficult 
for a goaltender to know exactly where the puck is going to be coming from, right? You're talking about one of the best, and I will say this, and it will get under the skin of a lot of uh, people in the chat room and a lot of Jets fans, but over the, all these years where people have talked about who the best goaltender in the world is, we've seen them in the playoffs. Ken, I think we had this conversation. I'm not going to drag you into it, but what I've seen from Andre Vasilevsky in the playoffs has proved to me that over the last number of years, the best goaltender in the world is Andre Vasilevsky. He's got the hardware to back it up and to prove it. Um, he's shown up at the most important times. What you can point to what he's done in the playoffs when it's mattered most is beyond compare to anyone in the league. But he got out-dueled tonight. Uh, and one of the reasons he got out-dueled is because Pierre-Luc Dubois made him really uncomfortable. He got into Vassie's Kitchen. Helly's Kitchen won the Lamplighter 8-pack tonight, the Frosty Delicious Lamplighter 8-pack. Well, Pierre-Luc Dubois was spending his time in the kitchen of Andre Vasilevsky. That's why he's got two goals. But to, your, to our point earlier on, he's right down the other way. Do you want to talk about a 200-foot game? He's saving goals on the goal line going the other way. But the thing I just absolutely love is he goes out and he starts a, a brouhaha in behind the uh, Lightning's net or by pushing a player through the net. And then what happens? Well, he comes out of it. Yeah, he ends up in the box, but Tampa ends up with the extra two. This is just yeah. another situation where he went out at the time in the game where nothing is happening and then lit a fire and then and got Tampa all flustered and all upset about the fire that he lit. And if I'm not mistaken, Ken, tell me if I am, was that the first penalty that happened before they took the second penalty? Was it the first penalty of the five on three? If no, so, no, it wasn't. It's not. No, okay. that was the oh. secondary one where Cal Foote went to the box for the extra two. There was no goal scored on that play. Okay, so so it doesn't happen there, but this is just him kind of starting a scenario by which you can see that the Lightning are perturbed for the rest of the game. Oh, yeah. You can see it happen later on in the Pionk situation. You can see it happen in the Stamkos penalty that he takes on Nikolai Ehlers, which we should point out is a play that ends up in a penalty that is the first of the five on three. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a great play. Nick Ehlers, uh, and we'll get to that about the four players and how they played returning to the lineup, but Nick Ehlers comes in after he hasn't played for a while and in a play in the game, outduels the captain, Mr. Calm, Cool, Collected for the Tampa Bay Lightning, forces that player to take a penalty that ends up being one of the two penalties that's part of the five-on-three and part of the winning goal in the game. He played his role, but all that heat starts. The Sorelli fight with, uh, with uh, uh, Mark Shifley, all that starts because Pierre-Luc Dubois lit a fire. So Pierre-Luc Dubois goes out, he scores, he defends, he starts fires, he takes other teams off his game. He, to me, was far and away the best player on the ice tonight and a big reason by the Winnipeg Jets win. He was phenomenal. You got something to say, Ken. I, one thing I would say, in real time, I didn't like the Stamkos play at all, but uh, Sean, it was in your end of the ice. I'll let you, you kind of take it after this, but I, it was more of a push to the pants than a cross-check for me. It's still a dangerous play. I don't think it was as dirty a play as I originally anticipated. What did you see? It was in your end of the ice. Okay, so in real time, and this is how I always judge this, right? The, the, again, when we go back, all of these plays that do we debate over the years, going over the year, over the years, going back, you know, even to the to, to the Connor Hellebuck thing, we always take a look at it in super slow motion and think these refs, what a bunch of idiots! How did they miss that, right? And we do it with the benefit 
of being able to see this kind of stuff in super, super slow motion. To me, what I saw from Steve Stamkos coming down the ice, it looked like frustration boiling over to me. And I think the body language of that is whether or not he put it was a push to the pants or whatever it was. I think if you take a look at his body language in that play, it looks a little bit vindictive. It looks like he's trying to get a lick in on Nick Ehlers because Nick Ehlers... I don't want to say embarrassed him, but got the best of him. And that's what happens when you're on the ice. When the guy, a guy gets the best of you, you get frustrated. And that's what I saw in that play. Uh, so I don't know. I, I love that play by Nick Ehlers. Again, uh, l- let's launch into this topic. Before we launch into the topic, I'm going to say Sorry, one last one. Sorry. I also did. Sorelli got away with the more dirtier play. He was punching Ehlers when he was on the ice. To me, that was much more of a dirty play than Stamkos, the push from behind. Yeah, I I didn't know what was happening there. But again, this is just more evidence, what you're bringing up, Ken. It is more evidence that that Pierre-Luc Dubois lit a fire do you want? Hey, people were asking, why is there so much passion? These two teams don't see each other every very often. Why is there so much passion? It's because Pierre-Luc Dubois pisses people off. And then they get angry, and then something else happens, and they lash yeah. out. When you're pissed off, especially when you're playing sports, you lash out. Pierre-Luc Dubois takes people off their game. He did that tonight. And a lot of times, Ken, will talk about this. Pierre-Luc Dubois, a lot of times, will do that in a game where he's not scoring or maybe where he got burnt at some point defensively. And it's it's just another tool he has in the kit to affect the outcome of the game. Tonight, he did everything. And I honestly do think, I, I stand by this, he lit a fire in that game. And that was a wildfire we saw out there on the ice. This crowd was treated to a great game that was full of passion. It was a wildfire out there. And in the game where I go back to the original point I made, where the Jets were more locked in tonight than the Tampa Bay Lightning were, when there's a fire out on the ice and a bit of a slugfest, I'll take the team whose details are right and who are getting in that slugfest than the team that's trying to outskill their way in that game every single time. And it's the reason... I think that the Winnipeg Jets came out on top here. I want to talk about how the four players who returned to the lineup did tonight, give an assessment of that. But before we do that, I want to get rid of that uh, comment right there. And I want you to tell us all about your buddy, Sweet Lou Furlow. You bet for all the folks that are you know in the real estate market, whether you're looking to buy, looking to sell, and just kind of gauge the market either in your neighborhood or someone else's, you can contact Lou Ferlin of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. Email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And his website to uh, check things out is www.louferlin.ca. Lou is a great supporter of the scene in Winnipeg and Manitoba, a proud Manitoban, and he's a great supporter of the show, and we appreciate that support very much. So if you're looking uh, to, if you have any real estate needs whatsoever, Lou's your guy to contact. Dapper-looking gentleman, as you can see there, of course, because he goes to Vittorio Rossi and sees Frank and the boys to take care of that. Hey, I'm going to drop the dig deeper comment right now because it has to do with us talking about the four players coming back. I'm going to send it to Rob Somerville, who said, I was curious to see what the implementation of the 400 players back into the lineup is going to be like, especially 
considering how well the team has been playing during their absence. I think this is a smart comment. It's smart to think about this and what it was going to look like. That's part of what we're going to talk about here. But Rob Somerville, I love the comment because I do think it's important. Everyone, to a degree, thinks, okay, these four guys are back in the lineup and everything is going to be fine. But there's a little bit of bringing guys back into the fold aspect. We're going to talk about that right now. But you bringing that up, Rob Somerville, is why you get the dig deeper comment of the game as sponsored by our friends at home, uh, at home field. All you got to do is direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds on Twitter. Uh, give me your full name and give me an email and I will send you a voucher for a shovel that has a nice etching of the home field logo, the Kenny and Rennie logo in there. It's a trunk shovel. You have, keep it in your trunk. If you're out, hit the ditch. Some of you, you know, you're not the best drivers out there. Hit the ditch. You got the, the shovel to help dig you out. Uh, Rob Somerville, you dug deeper tonight. That's why you have our home field comment of the game. Dig deeper comment of the game. Kenny, you want to give home field a shout out? Yeah, you can reach home field at homefield.ca. H-O-M-E-F-I-E-L-D.ca for marketing and more. Okay, perfect stuff. All right, let's get into it. I want to talk about those four players. Ken, how did you think those four players came back into the lineup? Uh, I mean, for the most part, um, I would say there was a slow start for the majority of the players. Uh, You know, if I was ranking them, I would say maybe Nate Schmidt probably had the biggest impact on the game out of the four. Uh, I think Nikolai Ehlers was very determined in the game, Sean. He was involved physically, and I mean... It looked like at one point he may have been injured. I think it was more of a, a winded situation, but I like the fact that he got involved physically. Uh, there were some stretches where he zigged and Kyle Connor zagged, and that's something that we've seen over the years at times. Uh, what I would say is I thought he was excellent at times in terms of his zone entries. Um, Nikolai Ehlers had three shots on goal, six attempts, so I mean he was involved offensively, which is an important thing for him. Uh, and I think they need to stick with it a little bit longer we knew that it would be an adjustment period for all four players uh wheeler and i thought i saw a lot of effort from wheeler and some people saying i mean oh what was he doing on the goal interference he's driving to the net i mean the guy hasn't played for over three weeks i mean he's trying to get to the blue paint and there was some contact with vasilevsky he wasn't trying to run him over i mean it, it's it, something that happens i mean um you know, Wheeler played 13 minutes and 14 seconds, two shot attempts and a hit and a takeaway. So, I mean, it wasn't the vintage Blake Wheeler, and we didn't expect it to be. I mean, this guy's coming back from a very, you know, painful injury uh, in a very serious situation. Um, you know, he's had a great year for the Jets. I'm not going to say, oh, well, what's going on with Blake Wheeler? I mean, come on, folks. Like, that's wake-up territory. Uh, <laughs> Cole Perfetti. 11.48 on 17 shifts. He had two shots on goal. Um, you know, I didn't find him to be as involved as we've been seeing either, but that's natural. These guys are coming back into the lineup. I would expect them to already be better on Sunday, but it's going to take a few games uh, before they get into the groove, if you will. Uh, in terms of Nate Schmidt, uh, 19.48 on 19 shifts. Uh, he had one shot on goal and six attempts, uh, including one hit and one block shot. I thought he was pretty effective in the game. He had an incredible scoring chance walking down Main Street. And then, Sean, I'm still absolutely baffled. Uh, on the play that you mentioned with Dubois where he drew the extra minor on Cal Foot. How, how did Nate Schmidt and the guy in front, not Nick Paul, not get a penalty in that scenario, Sean? How? 
They were. I don't know. It was absolute haymakers getting like gloves on. But that I thought that was a massive battle in front. The only, I mean, it's possible they weren't watching it because of the other melees going on. But man, I mean, great involvement by Schmidt. I thought he was. I thought he was moving very well uh, on the ice today. Um, I thought that pairing with uh, Dylan Sandberg was, for the most part, pretty solid and an important step for him. And like I said, I, I think he played the best out of the four. Um, I don't know. What did you think? What was your What would your assessment be? Okay, I'll go through it quick because he went through it all. Perfetti, I thought, started out hot, like faster Agreed. than the other guys. And there was uh, that first power play that uh, you could see he was doing the old Ehlers, right? The old I love second the shot line power there. play. Yes. So so he gets in. He goes with speed towards the net. I thought, okay, he's coming off this pretty good. There was a couple times on those uh, power plays he had really good retrievals. I thought that's where he was best. I thought after that first period he kind of ran out of gas and started kind of got a little bit invisible during the game. Uh, Wheeler, I thought it was just like, uh, I don't want to say he was dipping his toe in. Um, I think he did all those kind of, okay, so l- let's use Wheeler as, you know, we we, we talked about Dylan Sandberg and we talked about Billy Hainla uh, and all those guys and how when they get into the lineup, you, do, you don't want to notice them at first. I thought this was a night where Wheeler was unnoticeable in a good way, right? For the most part, you know, he was just doing the right things. He wasn't you know, he, he was out there uh, after they'd got the 4-2 goal. He was out there uh, trying to kill that 6-on-4 six on, uh, six on four at that point. Uh, he's money when the puck comes along the boards there. He's just so big and strong. He's usually going to win that battle and get that puck out. I thought he didn't try and do too much and try and turn that into a goal to make it a 5-2 goal. So I just I liked where his head was at with that. So he came out great. Ehlers. Like I said, I think that you know that that third goal, that game-winning goal, does not happen without Nick Ehlers. He doesn't get an assist on it, but Nick Ehlers is a major reason, if not the main reason, that that goal is scored because it starts out as a five-on-four, and as they pressure in the first ten seconds of the penalty that they're killing, that he's drawn. That's when the five-on-three penalty happens, the puck over the board. So that goal does not happen without Nick Ehlers. It may be a very different game without Nick Ehlers drawing that penalty and doing that play on Steve Stamkos. So I take a look at that and I think if you can walk in and affect the game to the point that you are largely responsible for the game-winning goal, mission accomplished. And Nate Schmidt is another guy who I believe, so did Nate Schmidt get the second penalty? Did he draw the second penalty on the initial five or or on the first five on three? It was a high-sticking penalty that he drew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure, yeah. So there you go. There's another guy who goes out and playing the right way. You know, he's sorry, the five on three. Space. Nick Paul, yeah, caught him with a stick on the uh, exit. There you there go. The second unit taking, started taking space away from a guy like Nick Paul, who tries to get in between two guys and adjusts his posture, gets a stick up in the air, and then he clips a guy. So there you go. It's it's playing the right way. Two guys who returned to the lineup, in my mind, had a direct result in two goals. One of them, the game winner. I don't think you could ask for much more out of the Winnipeg Jets in that situation. Here's the beauty of all this, is what we saw from those players, I think, is just scratching the surface of what they're capable of. So while a lot of people are thinking they're going to walk back in and, you know, I, I, I hung the mission accomplished banner up, and, and I still think that because you don't need to go out and get anyone to re- replace these players at this stage. But I don't think we're going to see those players having their true effect on this team until about the fourth or fifth game that they play, right? Probably towards the middle or maybe even the end of January when we really see this team start rolling. But I'm glad that we saw what we saw from them tonight. I thought it was not like, put it this way, none of them 
cost the Jets anything. And you know what I think that is, Ken? I think it's good coaching. I think it's guys walking in with a head coach who says, this is what you need to focus on tonight. These are the details I want you to focus on. I think Rick Bonus just has this team so, so, so detail-orientated. And it makes it easy, right? We always hear about this with teams that succeed in the playoffs. They say, well, it's easy. I know what my role is. I know what I'm supposed to do. I think Rick Bonus has broken players' down, roles down to not just your role, but the details of that role. So it's very easy to go out and say, I've got a checklist that the coach gave me. Do this, do this, do this do this and I'm doing the right thing and then if you add offense onto that or any big special plays well then you're just adding to it and that's what's going to happen is the Jets players that came back into the lineup had their checklist of details they hit all those checks on there and now they'll just start adding new little things into their game new checks into their game they'll get better and better which is I think we're just scratching the surface here um, before we go, uh, I'm not sure what you want to talk about here. I do have to go over the list. I'm going to do that before we leave a list for the home field winners because there's still a bunch of shovels. I got to get sent out there. I've got a whole list of people we'll go through. But before we go, we would be remiss not to talk very quickly about Shifley. Okay, quick hitter. Shifley and his fight tonight and his setup. Uh, what do you think of his game? Quick. 30 yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Loved the fact that he... Anyway, Unexpected. Uh, Sorelli had a bit of a burr under his saddle all game long. He was very involved uh, physically. I love his compete level. We had a chance to see him up close and personal during the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, loved all of his game. Um, I thought Shifey's effort was excellent today. I thought he was very involved in the game. And I liked the fact that after he got cross-checked up top that he threw down. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to see Mark Shifley fighting often, uh, but I think that was one of the things where his teammates love it. I mean, you saw it. They showed the camera work afterward. He looked at the bench, and he gave a great look. It was a great. It was a great moment. Uh, it wasn't much of a fight, but it was a good, you know, good takedown. I would say there was a bit yeah. of wrestling in Mark Shifley's past. Uh, he threw a couple uh, right hands, but thirty seconds. Uh, I, I, I liked seconds him. Ago. All right, I liked him the way he stood up for himself. He had two assists in the game. Uh, and it was a, a light night for Shifley, 15-31. That probably had more to do with his line mates. But yeah. it was important for yes. the Jets to not get burned out in terms of their top-end guys. And one other thing, too. I mean, I, I didn't expect Nikolai Ehlers to have five points today. He hasn't played since October. So I expect him to be really dominant before long. Yes, no doubt. Um, is this the one? No, sorry, this isn't the one. Uh, SK just said, I just quickly watched the short summary of the game. Barron looked good. Some real strong grinding push and the Jets being forceful love that kind of hockey was it like that all game it was like that all game and since you brought up morgan baron i'll take morgan baron here ken morgan baron i thought this was his best game as a winnipeg jet not only does he get that goal but i'll tell you this if you take a look at this game and sk since you're going back and looking at the game go check this out but all like this is a game clearly where special teams makes the the difference the jets score on their power plays they score on four on four they score with the man down when the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I do think in this game were clearly the better five-on-five team, but when it came down to the special teams, which can win you games, the Jets won the game off their special teams. One of the reasons that they shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning was you could see in a lot of the power plays that they had, they'd possess the puck for a while, they'd start to look dangerous, and all those little dangerous streaks to me, I think it happened three, maybe four times tonight, including the game winner, got snuffed out when Morgan Barron got the puck and killed it, right? Like, he was the place, the player 
where the Tampa Bay Lightning's power play went to die tonight. And I just thought, if you take a look at, we're talking about roles a little while ago and details, his role, I thought, was very specific tonight. I don't think he's a player that looks to go outside of his role very often. I think sometimes that you want that's what you want from players. Okay, you're doing this now. Let's see what you can add to it. I don't think Morgan Barron is going out there trying to score goals. He's just going out there trying to snuff things. And tonight, whatever flame the Tampa Bay Lightning were trying to start up and nurture with their power play was getting snuffed out by Morgan Barron, his best game as a Winnipeg Jet. Ken, we would be remiss ending the show without talking about Josh Morrissey. Uh, and his all-star announcement, never mind the fact that he had three assists in this game. I'm going to let you take the assessment, Josh Morrissey. Yeah, I mean, nobody, and this, again, (laughs) you won't like the assessment because nobody more deserving than Josh Morrissey, given what he's had to uh, endure during the last several seasons uh, with the death of his father. Team MVP. Uh, I'm still going to go with Hellebuck as MVP, but uh, Josh Morrissey, uh, you know, all-star human being first and foremost, um, you know, putting almost putting the majority of the attention on his teammates for helping him get to this place. And, um, you know, we both lost parents, Sean, and I love the fact that Josh was willing to share uh, what was obviously an emotional thing for him. Uh, We know it was tough to talk about, I'm sure. Uh, The fact that he was willing to share that once again, uh, you know the fact that his dad late father tom told him early on that he believed that he could be an nhl all-star and that he was willing to share that with us today this morning uh, i thought that took a lot of courage and i think it was important for him to do so because uh, people who have lost parents or who have people fighting whether it's cancer or anything else i think they can draw strength from josh morrissey uh, not only in terms of his work on the ice but in terms of how he handles himself as a human being every single day uh, I think he's had an exceptional season uh, the point totals speak for themselves I put the link in the chat here I, I wrote a lot about extensively about Morrissey today and uh, you know he's had an exceptional year um, somebody asked here one word to describe Morrissey's year what would it be I would use the word exceptional um, yeah. to me I know, I'm not going to make a joke out of it I, w- I could use elite but I would prefer uh, exceptional in this in this case he's had an exceptional season uh, and like I said I mean Connor Hellebuck you know Connor Hellebuck obviously deserves to be in this game he is the backbone of the Winnipeg Jets but uh, I think if you're looking at the overall body of work Connor Hellebuck's gone to an all-star game he knows he's one of the best goalies in the NHL I don't think Connor Hellebuck needs to go uh, to a three-on-three tournament uh, to feel good about himself uh, not that anyone has to feel good about themselves by being selected but I think that Josh Morrissey's made exceptional strides in his career. He continues to push himself to get better, and he is deserving of this selection. And, you know, I think he's going to enjoy the entire experience uh, because he's the guy, Sean, we've known it since the day he was drafted. This is a guy who's pushed himself to be better. He's had a metamorphosis in his game. He's been asked to play a variety of different roles, and Rick Bonus has removed the shackles uh, to a degree, and Josh Morrissey has done an exceptional job of taking his game to a higher level. And all we know about Josh is that he will continue to push even higher. Uh, good stuff. Okay, uh, before we get out of here, it's been asked for numerous times. Let's make sure that we do this before the show goes out. Let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show before we close this out.
I just want to make it clear to everybody here. Ken is not the only person who collects receipts. And of course, I rolled out that receipt earlier on today about the trade uh, issues. And I'm going to hold on very tightly to my Josh Morrissey. Uh, Josh Norrissey is the MVP of this Jets team. I'm holding on to it very tightly. I've go. got it pegged up against the board because I think it's just another one of these situations where I'm seeing something that unfortunately all the flock that follow you, Kenny, into the wrong places just can't seem to see. You Listen, the, the power that you wield, you've got to yeah. be careful with this kind of stuff. You can't go willy-nilly asking for trades because the flock follows you, Ken, and the flock goes to very dangerous places when you go to dangerous places. So take care. With great power, Ken, comes great responsibility. Always remember that. A couple things I want to do before we shut things down here. Um, our 21st show uh, is uh, the live show that we are going to be having at TransCanada Brewing. It is essentially sold out. Uh, all the money is collected except for three spots. Dan, the Jets fan, you wanted me to set a spot aside for you. I did. I've got to hold you. you got to get back to me. We're only going to hold those tickets for so long. Same thing for Dale Howard, or sorry, Dale Sawchuck, uh, who has two tickets. Other than that, everyone has taken care of this and is spoken for. Second sold-out show. Thank you so much, everybody, for doing that for us. We can't wait to spend some time with you on the 21st. And for all those, and I know because I've already got a list of people who've contacted me who wanted to get into this show and weren't able to because all the spots filled up. We got more shows coming. Ken, when is the next show after that that we are going to have in March? Yeah, March 18th. It's a 1 o'clock start against the Nashville Predators. And then the following Saturday against the LA Kings, it's the 25th of March. Uh, And no joking aside, people, March 25th is my actual birthday. We will oh, be having man. our fourth show of the season, oh, fourth boy. live show on my 48th birthday, Saturday, March 25th. Get your tickets fast. Well, there you go. Um, that That's great stuff. Uh, Richard Medeiros, I know, is going to be there. If you guys don't know, look up over Ken's head at our logo. Richard Medeiros uh, is going to be, uh, he's the one who designed that. He's going to be at the show on the 21st. Looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, making sure we show him how much we appreciate his contributions. Tristan Rivers is going to be there as well. Another person we wanted to, all the great music you hear on our show, that's Tristan Rivers specials. Uh, we can't wait to show those guys our appreciation. This is funny. I wanted to bring this up because Richard Medeiros was talking and laughing about the comments that uh, we've been making about about Billy Hainala. Um And I was saying the, thing, the very simple thing. I wanted to say this. We are going to have a new segment on the show brought to you by the people behind the free Nick Patan movement and also the people who are part of the Sammy Niku for the Norris Trophy campaign. Those people brought you How that. Marco we Dano. How you, about Marco we, Dano? The Marco Dano, sure. But we were going to bring you the Say Something Nice About Billy Hainala segment of the show where, Ken, where I would say, Ken, say something nice about Billy Hainala. We can't do that tonight because obviously he wasn't in the game. But believe me, when he's back in the lineup, we will bring you the sponsored by Richard Medeiros and all the Billy Hainala lovers out there and the, the, free, the free Nick Batan movement who've been looking for a place to put all that energy. We will have the Say Something Nice About Billy Hainala segment of the show when he's back in the lineup. And before we do go, I wanted to say this. Uh, we want to make sure that we get our shovels handed out to all the people who need and deserve shovels 
uh, because they are our home field winners. I'm going to give off a list here of the people who've won shovels. You need to get a hold of me. I know some of you have. I know some of you will be frustrated. Christmas was a busy time. I want you to direct message me again at SN Sean Reynolds. If you're, I read off your name here, Kenny's water bottle, who Ken, I don't think is going to claim their shovel because they don't want to out who they are. Uh, because I'm pretty sure we know who this person is, but you won a uh, home field shovel, blue thunder, Paul Robert, Lowry's left hand, Ryan Friesen. If someone can get a hold of him, ice smell great. Wiz Krilm, uh, T Kona, Polly, Helly's kitchen, uh, Russ Lowen already got his. Lynn Reimer, Rob Somerville, who did. Oh, Rob Somerville won again tonight. There we go. BA Split, Whiskey Coop, Braden Mahan, John Rayo, Robert Starr, Scardy, and Baba Jet. You have all won home field shovels. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds with your full name and your address, your email address, and we will get you that voucher for that. Thank you so much for your patience on that we will get that done we will get that all handed out uh other than that uh housekeeping done if you want on the list for the next couple of parties especially the kenny's birthday party direct message me at sn sean reynolds the list starts now you can reserve your spot for those shows do so uh that's what everyone else did this last time around and that's why they're in so uh we can't wait to see you on the 21st and we'd love to see you for both those dates in march thank you so much for spending time with us here tonight we will talk to you sunday as the jets go for their fifth straight win against the vancouver canucks thank you so much everybody